Hey guys, welcome to our online campus. Whether you're joining us through YouTube or our podcast, we're really glad that you're here today. Let's tune into today's message here at Higher Vision. Enjoy. You know, we've been talking about social media, and you know, it's easy to get caught up and almost addicted to social media. How many know what I'm talking about? Even with your cell phone, somebody know it's easy to get addicted to your phone if you're not realize, if you don't realize it. So I found um, online five things that might give you an indication that you're addicted to your cell phone. All right, so I'm going to share it with you. Number one, you might be addicted to your cell phone if you sleep with your cell phone next to you on the nightstand. Okay, just throwing that out there. Some of you have that nervous laugh. <laughs> Um, number two, you might be addicted to your cell phone if your friends or spouse are always complaining about how much you're on your phone. <laughs> okay, number three, you check your phone first thing when you wake up in the morning and the last thing before you go to bed. <laughs> Get a little closer to home here. This was my favorite one. You feel bummed when you go to the bathroom and realize you forgot your cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> and then lastly, you, you have secretly practiced and developed the art of texting while kept keeping eye contact with the person in front of you, pretending that you're listening. That happened to me yesterday, my son Tanner. He was like, yeah, Dad, uh-huh. And I'm like, what are you doing right now? He says, I'm texting Leilani. I'm like, he's, she lives all the way in Australia. Okay, okay, you get a pass. But that's exactly what he was doing. He said, you're doing what I'm talking about tomorrow. You know, we've been talking about this concept that sometimes social media, although it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it can be something that causes us to focus on ourselves. And rather than being selfless, we become selfish. We learned in week one kind of this idea, I will not make life all about me. I will not play the comparison game. I will not live a virtual life. And then last week, um, Anthony shared on the concept of get your mind right. And uh, today I want to talk to you one more week on this theme of depth to selfie. But I want to use not the theme verse in Philippians. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I want to use the verse that Jesus gave us, which kind of says that we need to put self in the distance and so will you stand to your feet as we dive in today, Matthew chapter 16. I want you to read this with me, all of you joining us online. You can stand where you are, all the way down in Brazil if you want to. We're going to read this together, all right? I want to hear you out loud. Ready? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life from me will find it. You know, what's interesting is that we want to find life. We want to live fulfilled. We want to have purpose. We want to accomplish the reason that we're here on earth. But the way to do that is to say death to selfie, to deny self, pick up our cross, and follow Christ. So will you close your eyes across the room today? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We say speak today. We're ready for the things you want to say. God, break that selfishness that we all are literally culture. Just it's like it, it, it drives us, drives it into us. And Lord, instead of be fo being focused on being selfish, we want to be selfless. So I pray anoint the words that I speak and anoint each one of us to receive it. 
In Jesus' name, and everybody shouted, amen. You may be seated today. I want to give you two main points. Really, it's one main point with kind of a sub point. But the first concept is we listen to Jesus because Jesus said there's a better way. And here's what he said, and I believe this is the concept. Write this down. Point number one is, I will go the extra mile. Everybody say that with me. I will go the extra mile. I want to read to you what Jesus said, one of his most famous messages that he preached in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, and here's what he said. He said, you heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other also. And then he goes on to say, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for one mile, carry it for two miles. We've all heard the phrase, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. And you know, how many here can think of someone right now that is someone that goes the extra mile? You know, everybody has no different things. Certain people, they go extra mile in certain areas. Let me show you an area that my wife, Devette, this is an area where she is a go-the-extra-mile person. Um, every year, when it comes to, to the family, it has to do anything with our family, anything to do with an event like that, um, my wife likes to go the extra mile. This is at Easter. Every year at Easter, we have a time where we have a meal together. Now, it's normally not on Easter because... By the time all of our 9,000 Easter services are done, I don't want to hunt Easter eggs and have a meal, okay? And so uh, we usually do it on the day before, and so this happens to be the day before we're having a meal, or it might even been two days before. And so when my wife is making Easter dinner, you know, it's not just like throw a meal together. Everything about it is about Easter and going the extra mile. I mean, look at the table. It's got Easter colors for the tablecloth, Right? It's got Happy Easter dessert plates on there. Even the plates themselves are Easter eggs. Not only that, you can see this cake in the middle. It's not just a cake. It has peeps on top. Come on, how many know if peeps are delicious two days after they've been sitting out, right? And uh, not only that, one of the things that we do is we love to do around Easter is, number one, we will watch The Passion of the Christ, and then we'll also be super spiritual and watch Nacho Libre, because it talks about Easter's. And, uh, um, and so we want to have chips at Easter's, but they're not chips. They're the Lord's cheeps. You can see that right there. See? See, my wife likes to go the extra mile when it comes to things with family. Like this is um, dessert at the Ming family on Easter. It's not just a cake. It's cake with jelly beans and peeps and, and bunnies. And we even throw a little devil's food in there um, to remind us how good Jesus is. And, um, you know, everything is there, right? And then we do the baskets. How many know when you have kids, you have to give them baskets? And so when she does baskets, this is the, I think last year's baskets, we have bunnies. And, and how many notice that as your kids get bigger, the Easter baskets get smaller? They just get more expensive. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Because now the things they want are super expensive and they can fit in something little, little tiny like that. And so, praise God, one day we won't be doing these anymore. Hallelujah. Um, Anybody looking forward to that day? Actually, it'll turn into the grandkids, and I guess we'll be doing them forever. So um, pray for us. <laughs> uh, what I love about Devet is Devet is, I'm going to go the extra mile. That's the way she is. See, she's that way. And you know what's interesting is Jesus said that if you want to be someone who, who says death to selfie, here's what you do. You go the extra mile. Now, what does that mean? Well, we read the verse a moment ago that if a Roman soldier says, carry my stuff for a mile, my, my supplies for a mile, you go too. 
This is referring to a law that existed in the period of Jesus. When Jesus was living, the Roman Empire had conquered nations all over the world. One of those nations was Israel. And all of the, what were considered conquered citizens of the realm, they're required by law, because think about it, the Roman soldiers, they traveled all over the world and they're out there defending the empire, they're out there conquering, they're out there keeping peace, right? And so because of that, the, the, the Caesar, the, the, the main emperor of the region, he gave them a perk. And the perk was, is that when you want to, when you need it, you can command any conquered citizen to carry your supplies for one mile. So imagine now they're traveling, right, and they get into a village, and they get in the village, and they're tired, and they're carrying one of those big backpacks, right? You see the military, they're, they weigh so much, man, 30, 40, 50 pounds. Not only that, their shields were 22 pounds. So it could be over an excess of 100 pounds worth of supplies. And so basically what would happen is they would come into town, and they would see someone walking along, and they'd say, hey, you, Jew, carry my supplies for one mile. Jews, they hated the Roman soldiers. You know why? Because they felt they were oppressive and they were evil. And, and so they would, you know, and, and here's the thing. Now imagine, you are getting off work early because someone that you know passed away and you're going to show your support and love for the family and you're on your way to the funeral, walking there when suddenly on this, you know, headed this direction, a Roman soldier sees you and says, hey, you, carry my supplies. And you, you're, you're like, well, hey, you, listen, I, I know that the law says I have to do it, and if I don't do it, you can throw me in jail, but I'm on my way to a funeral. Someone passed away. You can understand. Sorry, carrying my stuff. But you don't understand. I'll probably miss the service because you're going that way, and I'm going this way, and it's a long journey on foot. And so if I go a mile that way carrying your supplies and then go all the way back, I'm going to miss the funeral. Carry my supplies. You could be an elderly person. You could be a pregnant woman. It didn't matter. You were required by law. And so what would happen? They would grab the supplies and struggle for a, a mile carrying the supplies. And every step they took, what's going through their mind? I hate these Roman soldiers. They're oppressive. They represent evil in this world. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, you want to learn how to say death to selfie? When you get to the end of that mile... Look at the soldier and say, hey, how about I carried another mile for you? You see, Jesus was trying to teach something. He was trying to help us understand this principle that, that, that maybe it's the second mile that we learn the lesson. Maybe it's the second mile that you and I begin to really take care of the, the selfishness that's inside of us. Because here's what I think happens. Here's what I think happens on the second mile. When you start walking on the second mile, suddenly you're doing it for a different reason. Now you're not doing it because you have to, you're doing it because you want to. And so as you start walking, carrying that, that, that big pack on your back and, and dragging that shield, suddenly now as you look at this soldier, you're not just seeing someone who's evil and harsh and mean. Now suddenly you start to see them as a reflection of maybe the God that created them. Wait a minute, they're human like me, and maybe, rather than hating them and their evil, maybe I'm not at war with them. Maybe I'm at war at the evil that raised them with the culture that they're in. And now maybe suddenly as you begin to walk, you start saying, well, gosh, I pray, God, I don't know what's going on in this guy's life. I don't know what he's done in his life, what he's carrying and the pain that he has. But God, I just pray that you help him. And now suddenly as you begin to walk, he starts to see things differently too. Wait a minute. You're supposed to be a slave. Wait a minute. What are you doing? And now suddenly a moment 
of illumination can come. For you and the soldier. And now suddenly the soldier is able to see maybe there is a God. Maybe there, there is a, a Christ who died and rose again. Maybe there is someone that there's hope for him and his family. Maybe things are different. Maybe God is real. Maybe there is hope in a hopeless world. You see, it's the second mile that I believe the miracle happened. But most of us never get past the first. Because we're ready to argue. I got my own agenda. I got my own plans. I got to watch football. I ain't going to no picnic at Tyler Vision Church. I'm just throwing that out there. There's somebody, I don't know who it was for. Can I just say this? Maybe the first mile is to love your neighbor. Maybe the second mile is to love your enemy. Maybe the first mile is to bless those who bless you. Maybe the second mile is to bless those who curse you. The first mile is to do good to those who do good to you. The second mile is to do good to those who hate you. The first mile is to pray for those who are in agreement praying for you. But the second mile is to pray for those who despitefully use you. What is your second mile? Because saying death to self, he says, I will go the extra mile. The first mile is to forgive someone when they're repentant for what they've done. The second mile is to forgive someone whether they deserve it or not. Come on, you all with me? Somebody say amen. Some of you are like, so good. Come on, how many know sometimes the Holy Spirit is there to challenge us? And I believe that what God is teaching us is that we can't be first-mile Christians. God's called us to be second-mile Christians. Who do you need to go the second mile with? Where do you need to go to the second mile? Is it on the job? Is it, is it at your school? Is it someone in your family? I'm going to tell you that things change on mile two. Somebody say Amen. So I will go the extra mile. Can I give you the second one? And the second one, it's simply this. I will commit to the interests of others. In other words, I'm not going to make life all about my passions and my desires and what I want to do. I'm going to commit to other people's passions and other people's desires and other people's interests. Let me show you. We'll go back to our theme verse from the, week, the three weeks. And Philippians 2 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now, what I want to do is I want to tell a story, and it's a true story out of the Bible. I believe all of the Bible stories are true. I believe they happen. I believe miracles happen. I believe the Red Sea parted. I believe that, that, that it's true. In this story, we see an example of, first of all, someone who went the extra mile, but someone who basically said, I'm going to make your interests more important than mine. I'm going to put my life at risk for your interests. And I'm going to share a principle today that, that is a principle I've been sharing for months and for years at Higher Vision, but I'm going to tell you there's power in it. It's one of the most, I believe, one of the most profound principles that I've learned and seen in Scripture. So here's the story. There was a guy named Jonathan. He was the son of the king, King Saul. And his, his uh, armor bearer, who was a person who fought with him, they would fight back to back. 
He didn't just carry his supplies to the battle. He fought with him. They had a covenant relationship. They spent years fighting together. They knew each other's strengths and weaknesses. They had been in battles together. So there was this massive army of the Philistines. They were going to attack Israel. And Israel just had a few hundred warriors. It looked hopeless. Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and he says, Hey, bro, let's go check out the outposts of the Philistines. That's the small group of soldiers that were kind of out on the forefront. And he says, listen, maybe if we attack them, it could, God could do a, a great victory because God can do a victory with many or with few. And so his armor bearer, true to his heart, true to this idea of I will put someone else's interests ahead of mine, he looks at him instead of going, this is a suicide mission, he says, I got your back, bro. And then he kind of infers, so what's the plan? Now this is where the story gets interesting. Because when he says, what's the plan? It's like, it's like Jonathan has a Scooby-Doo moment. Oh, Reggie? Come on, one of those deer in headlights, like, I have not thought this through. Because if you listen to the plan, it sounds like he hadn't thought it through. So he goes, well, um, okay, here's the first thing we'll do. Number one, we'll let the enemy see us and thereby give away the strategic advantage of the element of surprise. And you can just see his, his arm is like, um... Okay, I don't know if I'm tracking with you on that. Um, what's the rest of it? And he's like, okay, well, here's the second thing. Um, we'll exhaust ourselves before the battle. What that means is, is if they call for us to climb up this mountain to fight them, instead of them coming down to fight us, then that's God. That's our signal that that's God. So we'll climb up the, the mountain exhausted, knowing that God is with us. And his armor bearer is like, and, and, and this here is what's crazy, is, is his armor bearer is like, Okay, I'm with you, but if I were the armor bearer, it'd kind of be one of those, like, what you talking about, Willis? You know what I'm saying? It's like, huh? Come on, how many of you have ever heard of a crazy plan? How many of you have ever had or done a crazy plan? I can think back to crazy plans, crazy things that I thought up. I, I remember when I was 11 years old, I came up with a crazy plan to convince my younger brother that our laundry room had a merry-go-round. And he needs to go the second mile with me and forgive me. I just want to throw that out there. I won't finish the story, but it did not end well. We'll just leave it there. The point is, is this is a crazy plan, and, and, it, and it doesn't make sense. So let me stop and say, I, I understand the importance of strategy and all that and planning, but here's what happens. He says, I'm with you. They climb up the hill. When they get to the top of the hill, what happens? They attack 20 soldiers and defeat them. Suddenly, God shows up with an earthquake, supernaturally. The Philistines get scared, thinking that Israel's God is with them. They start killing each other. They flee and literally defeat thousands of Philistines with two guys. That's how it started. Pretty cool story. And when you read the story, there's a couple thoughts, and I want to point them out to you. Because as pastors, we read a passage like that, and our first thought is, well, God's trying to teach us about strategy. But as I read it, here's what God began to show me. God is not trying to teach us the power of the how. He's trying to teach us the power of the who. You see, what he's trying to do is teach us that God blesses covenant relationship. He's saying, don't fight alone. It's not about how you fight. It's about who you fight with. 
But what we do is we get all caught up in the strategy. And I like strategy. I'm a strategic thinker. I want to look at the demographics. I want to look at, at, at statistics. I want to see what the trends are. I like to, to think strategically. But can I tell you, when I read this story, here's the reality is that God isn't concerned. Let me stop and say, God has a how for you. He has a plan for you. But sometimes we get focused on the how. And can I tell you, I don't think God's concerned about the how, the crazy plans. You know why? Because God can take any how and he can turn it into a wow. Because with God, all things are possible. You see, God's not concerned about your how. And we all have a, a how. We all have a what. We all have a dream. We all have a strategy of what we want to do. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going I'm to make a difference in this area. I'm going to make sure my kids... Right? We all have a get to college. We all have a how. We all have a what. You see, God built us. Here's the thing. I believe the story teaches us that God built us for covenant relationship. And it's in this covenant relationship where you get focused on others and their desires, not just yourselves. That's the power. You see, if you look in the beginning of time, what? We've talked about this before. God created the world. He said, it is good. And then he created man. And he said, not so good. If man is alone. So what did God do? God gave man a who. He gave him a covenant relationship with Eve. And God said, now be fruitful and multiply. Now here's what's interesting. Adam had the seed already before he had his who. He had the seed to be, multi to, to, to be fruitful and multiply already. God had placed it inside him. And God had placed inside of Eve... The seed to multiply and be fruitful. Can I stop and say, God has placed the seed of fruitfulness inside you. But here's the point. Nothing multiplied without covenant relationship. Can I say it this way? Maybe the way that you're going to see revealed what God has placed inside you is when you get the right people beside you. You see, the reality is that God has placed it inside of you, but it's through the multiplication, right, that comes through covenant relationship. Now, let me take a step back, and I'm going to get a little bit real here and a little raw, but, you know, even youth pastors, we've all taught the idea, right? We've said to youth, don't try to create intimacy without covenant. Let's say it another way. Don't have sex without marriage. Y'all with me? And then what happens? People choose to not follow God's plan. And what do they do? They end up trying to create intimacy, moments of intimacy without covenant. And they go from relationship to relationship to relationship. And what ends up happening? They end up becoming people who have to wear protection. Now, I know I got raw, but let's just stop there for a second and let's settle right there. Could that be a picture of a lot of Christians in the church? Because we come and we dash into church real quick and try to create these little quick moments of intimacy. Say, how are you? How are your kids? And we try to create this intimacy with these little moments. And we're not having covenant relationship. We're having convenient relationship. And then we wonder why the seed never multiplies. Or we go the other way and we try to force these quick little moments of intimacies and then we end up giving birth to Ishmael's and illegitimate dreams and ish. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amening right now. It's getting real. Because we're so focused on the hows of life that we've forgotten the who. See, we make excuses. And it's interesting because you can look at Christians, and you can see they put on the mask 
and they've got their walls up, and they're protecting themselves. And they never see the, I believe, the true fullest extent of God's best. And it's not because they don't have a plan and they're not working their how. It's because they forget that God cares about your who, not your how. Because God is in the middle of the who. That's why I talk about small groups. That's why I talk about being in circles. You need relationship because God is in the middle of the who. Now, I know some of you, you're thinking, Pastor Jared, you're getting a lot of theology out of the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? What does Jesus have to say about this stuff? Well, let's talk about it for a second because there's some pretty profound stuff. Look at what Jesus says on this topic. He says, if two of you, what's the next word? That's a little weak. Let's try it again. If two of you what? Agree. I want to focus on that word. Agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Let me stop right there. That's a power verse right there. God says that if you ask God for things, that he'll do it. In other words, he'll answer prayer. He'll do miraculous things. But he said there's a condition to it, and that is when two people or a covenant relationship agree. Now, here's the thing. The word agree there is a New Testament word that I believe is very similar to the Old Testament word covenant. Because the word agree, it means harmonize or harmony, but it also means a contract or an agreement. So for, right, for instance, right now, Higher Vision has a contract and agreement with a company for one of our buildings that we're, we're in. And that building is simply saying this, that for the next 20 years, the company Intertex and Higher Vision are in agreement. So for the next 20 years, because we have money that they want and they have a building that we want... We've committed to relationship long-term. Now, that doesn't mean sometimes we don't argue. Well, I think you need to pay for this. Well, I think you need to pay for that. Sometimes we don't agree. Sometimes we don't get along. But we're in an agreement. We're in a covenant, a long-term relationship that, that's connected and committed, right? And can I stop and say that a lot of Christians, unfortunately, don't live in covenant or in contract. They live in convenience. So they'll say, I'll be in relationship with you as long as you have the same theology as I do. Or here's the other excuse that, that we don't realize, and that is, you know, here's the deal. Um, I would be in a covenant relationship. I'd get in one of those circles, Pastor Jerry, but you don't get it. I'm too busy. I got this how, this strategy that God has given me, and here's what I'm trying to do and accomplish, and I've got this what, this dream, and this destiny that God has for me. And so I, I don't have time to be in covenant relationship. I don't have time to, to do that. I've got to focus on God's how for my life. And so we justify not being in covenant relationship. Can I tell you, this is what the scripture says. Scripture says when you're in covenant, miracles happen. And then he says, here's why. Look, at, it says, the Father will do it for, or in other words, this is why. For where two or three gather together as my followers, or another translation says, in my name, I am there among them. You know what the word gather together means in the, in the New Testament, Greek? It means this. It means to be in one location, but it also means to exist or to live. So now watch what these two verses say. When you live in covenant, that's where I am. That's where I am. And where I am, anything is possible. When I'm there, 
your how can become a wow. When I'm there, miracles take place. When I'm there, freedom and transformation. See, it's not about your what, it's about your where. But what, but what we do is we go, oh, wait a minute, God, I want you in the middle of my how. You see, I've got this strategy, Lord, and here's what I'm going to do, and if I can get this done, you don't know what we accomplish. And we get so focused on our, our what's and so focused on our how's, and we're working the system, we're doing everything, and we're like, okay, God, here we go. God, get in the middle of my how. God, bless my business. God, I pray that you'd bless this endeavor I'm doing. And, and God's looking at us, and this is my theology. My theology says God's kind of looking at us based on this verse, and he's saying, um, man, it's cool, and I'd like to be in the middle of that, but I'm not in the middle of your who. I'm, in the, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not in the middle of your how. I'm in the middle of your who. So if, if you just find a who, I'll take care of the how. So my question, who's your who? Who's your circle? Who's your relationship? What Christians are you in, in, in relationship with on a consistent basis? Because I'm going to tell you, there's something beautiful that God sits in the middle of covenant relationship. It happened with, with Jonathan and his armor bearer. It wasn't about a good plan. It was a stupid plan. But God turned his how into a wow. Why? Because he had a who. God will multiply. You may, you may never Release what is inside you until you get the right people beside you. As I think about this verse, I want to end with this story. I love the verse, first of all, how good and pleasant it is when brothers, it doesn't just mean like, yeah, brother, what's up? It's like brothers and sisters, it's humanity. How good and pleasant it is when humanity, or when God's people, dwell together in unity. Let me make that more current. Live together in covenant. He said, that place is like the dew on Mount Hermon. It's refreshing. That place is like oil that drips off the beard of Aaron and gets on his clothes. That's where the anointing is. And he says, there, in the middle of your who, I've commanded the blessing. See, what Jesus is trying to teach us is if we'll learn to give life away and say death to selfie, that's where we're going to find it. Reminds me of a story, and I'll end with this. I'd like the team to come. Thank you. Um, they're already there. It's like, whoo, it's like God. I'd like the team to come, whoo. Reminds me of... Um, couple armor bearers that I have in my life. One of them, his name is Randy Ashburn. He's probably back in that booth right now. The other is April Ashburn. And uh, she's home right now for a few weeks. And I'll never forget because I, I had a Jonathan moment about 14 years ago. I called together my close friends. I'm like, you guys, God's put this vision in my heart. What if we go out to the outpost of the Philistines? What if, what if we, I tell you what, here's the idea. What if we leave our homes and our families and our jobs and we move to a city called Valencia where we don't have any money, we don't have any people, we don't have any buildings? 
We'll put our finances and our futures and our families at risk and we'll exhaust ourselves. Maybe this is God. I'm sure down deep, Randy's like, what you talking about, Willis? I mean, what? But instead, you know what he did? He said what Jonathan's armor bearer said. You know what April said? She said what Jonathan's armor bearer said. She goes, you know what? We, we've got covenant. Where you go, I'll go. Naomi and Ruth. Your people be my people. So we'll go with you. What are they doing? They're saying, I'm going to go that extra mile. I'm going to put myself at risk. I'm going to take on your passions and your interests, not just my own. So we moved down here. Now, what you don't know at the time is that when we moved, Randy was going through a, a very difficult season. He'd gone through a, a, a horrible divorce and gone through a lot in his family. He was staying strong. He was struggling. Even when we came down here, it was financially in a difficult place. And April came. She was doing the best she could. And you know what they did? They just committed to relationship. They started serving the kingdom, and they started serving the vision of the, the dream and the passion, and, and they began to serve, and they began to give their life away. And suddenly, as they began to give their life away, what's Jesus say? If you'll lose your life from me, you'll find it. Suddenly, April goes, God brought me a man, and he's a handsome man. And suddenly, Randy's like, and God brought me a beautiful woman. And God gave them each other, and they got married started working full-time at the church. God blessed them with jobs in ministry. You know, only 3% of people that are Christians that want to be in ministry actually serve full-time and actually make a living in ministry. 3%. They passed 96% and jumped into those last ones. God gave them a beautiful marriage, gave them a job. They bought their home. God blessed the home. Now it's worth more than they bought it for. And then the prize, God gave them two boys, Ryder and Grayson, and they found life through covenant relationship and giving it away. What's waiting for you? What is it that God has waiting for you and me? The problem is that we're, 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 put it on the mask and we're protecting ourselves and we try to create these little moments of intimacy well I'll show up to church and that's good listen come to church and hear the word and worship yes that's great but could it could there be more or could we have bought into the culture and not died to selfie so we've well I got too much going on with my how got too much going on God's given me the dream I, I believe he's put it in my heart so I gotta, I gotta spend the time working my how while God's saying, I'd love to get in the middle of that how, but I live in the realm of your who. I live in the realm of your covenant relationship. That's why that's why we have that tent back there, so you can stop and find out about a circle. That's why you can go online and search a circle. That's why we're having a picnic, so you can go and maybe just meet some people to start the next step of being in a circle. Why? Not because we're trying to manipulate you or waste your time so that find where he is. You see, who is your who? You need a who. I need a who. In fact, let me say it this way. I need you. And you need me. Here's why I need you. I need you 
because I need him. And I find him when I find you.